the spiritual interpretation of the Lord's Prayer. O Heavenly Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved God, may the halo of thy presence spread over all minds. May the religion of matter worship be converted into loving, direct worship of thee. Since without thy power to love, we cannot truly love anything, may we love thee first and above everything else. May the heavenly kingdom of bliss, where thou dwellest, manifest itself with all its divine qualities on earth. And may all lands be freed from limitations, imperfections, and miseries. Let thy kingdom within us manifest itself without. Father, leave us not in the pit of temptations into which we fall, fell by the misuse of thy gift of reason. When we become freer and stronger, should it be thy wish to test us, to see whether we love thee more than any temptation, then, Father, make thyself more tempting than temptation. O Father, if it be thy wish to test us, help us keep our willpower strong enough to meet all thy tests. Give us our daily bread, food, health, and prosperity for the body, efficiency for the mind, and above all, thy wisdom and love for our souls. Teach us to deliver ourselves with thy help from the meshes of ignorance which we have woven through our own carelessness. So our topic is by thinking, can we arrive at understanding? And you kind of feel after reading that that we've already answered it, so let's just meditate. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to tell you about time travel. Uh, when we did this chant, Ever New Joy, um, myself and quite a number of us, I'm sure, in this room went back about 30 years. I'm, I don't know how many of us were here, but when Swami Kriyananda wrote this chant, he added, the chant existed, but Swami added the harmony. And one day, Swami Kriyananda was having, we would have weekly satsangs, and Swami Kriyananda had weekly satsang with us. So we had weekly satsang in this room about 30 years ago, probably about 1982 or something. And so we chanted, and Swami had the, the harmony singers in there, and we chanted this chant. And I've mentioned it to a couple of people this week because I knew we were going to chant it. But I can go back right now to that place and that time. And it was awesome because this chant happened. And Swami had written this chant. And we did two chants. We did Ever New Joy and Lord I Am Thine with the harmony. And you can time travel back to that time. But that's not a rational thing. By thinking, can we arrive at understanding? How can we travel back in time? This is what Jesus was a little upset with the Pharisees about. That, let's go back further. Let's go back 2,000 years. Let's have a little satsang with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is sitting in a room. The Pharisees are going to come. We're going to discuss the scriptures. And they have a, these are doctors of theology. These people study the scripture all the time. So they sit down with Jesus Christ. And they want to talk to him. What do they want to talk about? I want to talk about St. Peter's table manners. <laughs> You're talking to Jesus Christ. 
He's an avatar. He's sitting there with you. Isn't there a feeling of his consciousness permeating you? Isn't it like joy, 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 ever new joy? Do you really want to talk about Peter's table manners? I don't think so. And that's why Jesus was a little ticked off at the Pharisees. Because you guys don't get it. You don't get that by thinking with the finite, rational mind, you're not going to comprehend the infinite. You're not going to comprehend ever new joy. You're not going to comprehend the vastness of the divine experience. You're going to be logical and and Swami refers to their hair-splitting definitions. We have in our society, we live in the capital of intellectualism. We live in a modern time where the universities and the theists and the atheists and the thinkers purport to have a clue or a vision of truth, but they obviously don't because they don't bring the superconscious part of their mind and the heart's feeling into their thinking. I'm all for thinking. <laughs> Thinking's great. Swami Kriyananda thought a lot, and he was a very, very smart man. But his thinking process was guided by the superconscious, by the heart's love, by that feeling of rightness. And when we abandon that and sit down with Jesus and ask him questions about his teachings and aren't in awe, of the love of that being. Can you imagine sitting with Christ? Sitting there, it's like sitting with Yogananda, sitting with Kriyananda. You're there, it's just, you're just, your heart is open, your feeling of the divine consciousness is overwhelming. And these people were willing to shut that off because the heart's capacity to feel has been shut down. I, we had a rainbow yesterday at Ananda Village. I don't know if all of you saw it, but it was a double rainbow. About four o'clock in the afternoon. Really nice. And I was remembering uh, a quote from Swami Kriyananda. Swami Kriyananda would quote Yeats quite often. And the quote he liked to quote was, uh, there was a rainbow once in heaven, but now it is listed in the dull catalog of common things. And... <laughs> He had that wisdom to understand that a rainbow is more than a couple of colors in the sky. Sure, we can analyze the spectrum of light and you can get the, the measurements and the cycles per second and all that stuff. Totally great. But that's not the awe of the rainbow. It's the beauty. It's stunning. There was a double rainbow yesterday. It was over this village and in other places too, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's the vibration, it's the awe. That's the superconscious part of intelligence. And without that, we're not gonna find God. With that, we will see God everywhere. When I was a young truth seeker, I was also a college student, and I was studying calculus and other things like that. And I remember one day working on calculus problems and I got to this point, when you, when you get into a calculus after a while, 
Everything goes towards infinity or does not exist. <laughs> Those are the two spectrums that your equations come to. And I remember working on this calculus, calculus problems, and I suddenly had this insight into the absolute beauty of the universe through calculus and mathematics. It was harmony. It was perfection. It was the totality. It was infinity and around again, and around again. And I was just, I was a little bit astounded, because I was a, a truth seeker, and a calculus student, and I thought that the two didn't interact. I thought that there were limits to God. There's no limits to God. God's everywhere. We need that sense of awe, that sense of wonder. We need the superconscious mind, and the heart's feeling, to combine, to give us true wisdom. And then we can think a lot. <laughs> Thinking is good if it's attached to that. And if it's not attached to that feeling, thinking is very susceptible to maya. And thinking can get you into very, very big problems and great dead ends. And it can put a lot of life in the catalog, the dull catalog of common things when they don't belong there. Everything shines with the love of God if we have the superconscious infiltrating our consciousness. A couple of uh, weeks ago, I read an article on the internet, and it was entitled, Seven Proofs That Jesus Never Existed. I thought, this is interesting. I must, <laughs> I must investigate this. And this gentleman uh, had written an article and he listed seven reasons why Jesus not wasn't enlightened or was only a Jiva Mukta or something like that. No, he didn't exist. He never existed. And the, the, obviously, <laughs> the reasoning was weak. The evidence was questionable. But he, he discounted Bethlehem and the census and Joseph and Mary and the three kings and the blind man and the loaves and fishes and the Sanhedrin and the trial and Pontius Pilate. He, he threw out a lot of evidence <laughs> to get to his seven points. And his seven points didn't really hold any water whatsoever. But it was instructive because the mind without the feeling of the superconscious can lead you to idiotic conclusions. <laughs> and they can seem like they make sense. Witness the number of atheists in our current society who say that God doesn't exist. And then what happens after you die, son? <laughs> the spirit lives forever. And I found it interesting that a man in the year 2015 could decide that Jesus never existed. And this hadn't dawned on a whole lot of Christians for the last 2,000 years, nor the masters or the saints. We have the superconscious God. If shines with the love of air, everything, when they don't belong to the log of common things, log the dull cat life in the catalog. It can put a lot of ones and, and great dead ends, very big problems, into very, and thinking can get you able to Maya. Very susceptible. Thinking is not attached to that feeling. To that. And if it's attached, if it's thinking is good, a lot. <laughs> then we can think true wisdom. And then to give us to combine feeling mind and the heart of conscious mind of wonder. We need the super 
That sense, need that sense of all. It's everywhere. We need no limits to God. God gets to God. There's no act. I thought that there were limits. And I thought that the two didn't interact. And to have this insight, not one reasons why Jesus, and he listed seven, written an article, and, uh, had, and this gentleman, investigate this. I must, I must, this is interesting. I've never existed. Proofs that Jesus, seven entitled, and it was, I read an article on the internet a week ago, a couple of uh, wishes, infiltrating our cons and Mary and the census and Joseph counted Bethlehem and but he he did the evidence was question was weak the reasoning obviously and the, and the, the he never existed uh, no he didn't exist only a Jiva Mukta or something like that wasn't enlightened or was and I suddenly had calculus problems working on this calculus come to and I remember rooms that your equations those are the two spec does not exist <laughs> infinity or everything goes towards a while after to a calculus to this point when you when you get in and I got those problems working on calculus I remember one day and and other things like that calculus student and I was studying the college student to understand illusions and they idiotic and can lead you to superconscious feeling of the mind without the fuzz the monstructive because it wasn't hold any water whatsoever but his seven points didn't really hold seven points and to get to his seven, he threw out a lot of evidence in Pontius Pilate and Hedron and the triad the same loaves and fishes and in the in the blind man the three kings Wisdom had that he and things. The dull catalog of common. Now it is listed in heaven, but there was a rainbow once was, uh, quote, what he liked to, and the quotes quite often. Swami Kriyananda would quote, yeah, quote from Swami Kriyananda, remembering, uh, and I was. Remember, a thousand years, a lot of Christians for the last two and dawned on a whole never existed. And this heading could decide that Jesus in the year 2015. I found it interesting that a man forever. And the spirit lives for my son. <laughs> what happens after you die? Then that <laughs> God doesn't exist. In our current society, who say of atheists witness the number can seem like they make sense. Really nice. Clock in the afternoon. Not attached to that feeling. Thinking is very susceptible to Maya. And thinking can get you into very, very big problems and great dead ends. And it can put a lot of life in the catalog, the dull catalog of common things. When they don't belong there, everything shines with the love of God. If we have the superconscious or the masters or the same. About four into, and I thought that the two didn't interact. I thought that there were limits to God. There's no limits to God. God's everywhere. We need that sense of awe, that sense of wonder. We need the superconscious mind and the heart's feeling to combine to give us true wisdom. And then we can think a lot. <laughs> Thinking is good if it's attached to that. And if it's infiltrating our consciousness. A couple of uh, week ago, I read an article on the internet, 
And it was entitled, Seven Proofs That Jesus Never Existed. I thought, this is interesting. I must, <laughs> I must investigate this. And this gentleman uh, had written an article, and he listed seven reasons why Jesus not what had this insight. And I suddenly wasn't enlightened or was only a Jiva Mukta or something like that. No, he didn't exist. He never existed. And the, the, obviously, <laughs> the reasoning was weak. The evidence was questionable. But he, he discounted Bethlehem and the census and Joseph and Mary. And saw it, but it was a double range. I don't know if all of you. college student, and I was studying calculus and other things like that. And I remember one day working on calculus problems, and I got to this point, when you, when you get into a calculus after a while, everything goes towards infinity or does not exist. <laughs> Those are the two spectrums that your equations come to. And I remember working on this calculus, calculus problems, That's where you feel the love of God and the truth of these words. You know those words are true because you can feel them in your heart. You know that's true. But you can, a rationalist could sit here and argue, well, that's not true. You can't walk through the sky. You're not made of light. You're made of matter. Matter is not the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality is light and love and truth. And that's where we have to be, ever new joy. You chant and you chant. You chant the harmony. You chant that feeling. And you realize that it is the reality that's staring you in the face. This is the consciousness of the masters. As they walk through the world, they just see the reality. They see through the maya. It doesn't catch them. It can't trick them anymore. Because the superconscious dispels that maya. The reality is the love of God and the light of God and ever new joy. That's the truth. I'm going to read a little passage from Master to close. He had another thought. He again shared this with Rajasi, who was capable of digesting it. But we are too, really. So Paramahansa Yogananda wrote, a mass of bougainvillea flowers has proved to be the altar of God and the sunshine. What colors the astral cosmic light has lent it out to the various shades of flowers and leaves and sky. I am moving in the wind, saturated in the blue heavens. My joy is the color of the flowers. Every blade of grass I feel as the hairs of my body, and I feel the sparrow picking at one of my grassy green hairs. How wonderful full to love everything, not in a passing way, but with deep concentration until love opens a portal into the love which is everything. While you love nature, love deeply, so deeply that you lose yourself in that love and you will perceive the love which is in everything. You will feel nature, earth and sky as your body and self. Love everything after samadhi, and you will know the love aspect of God. This approach is important. Love all with the love of God. That love alone is pure. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. Shanti.